0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The title for what I want to share with you today is But God. But God. But God. You can have the excuse, but God. You can have the reason, but God. You can have something in place in your thinking, in your life, in your mind, an external circumstance pressing on you, but God. And we have this wonderful verse in Romans chapter five and verse eight, which says, but God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God. The verse begins with a but God. There's a story told about a gentleman who was the, uh, his name was Charles Evans Hughes. He was the Americans, America's first, uh, uh, their Secretary of State. And he was at a conference, a pan-Pacific conference back in the 1920s, so it's a while ago. And he was attending this important conference and it was special for the cooperation between the nations that surrounded the Pacific Ocean, and, and so it was of great importance that all the nations be represented. But the, the, the speakers were using a mixture of Spanish and Portuguese. And of course, uh, he, the Secretary of State, spoke English, well, Americanized English. And when it got involved, and when they when the when the when he was listening to their their uh, dissertations and their and their presentations. He asked his interpreter he said when they use the word but please be very specific in your interpretation of what comes after the but because generally generally it's something very important or very critical the word but in the english language is a conjunction It implies a sudden change of direction. Especially if in its phraseology, it is used with, but God. You see, I was lost in my sins. I I was dead. There was nothing in me that knew how to reach out to God where he was. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And I had no future, any good future. But God wasn't going to leave it that way. But God intervened into our circumstances. But God at the appropriate and right time, the Bible calls it the fullness of the age. God intervened into human history. And he came alongside of us and stood beside us. Came alongside of us, looked like us acted like us, ate food like us, in every respect lived as we do so that he might have perfectly identified with you and with me. But God, that took planning to get that to happen. That took forethought. That took an understanding. That took a counting of the cost. You see, Jesus just wasn't... Just someone. Jesus just wasn't something that could be grabbed off the second or third shelf. Jesus was the very best in heaven. Jesus was God himself. Who came and lived what we couldn't live. We couldn't abide by. We couldn't live up to. We couldn't measure up to the standard of God's law. But Jesus did. He did it without sin, without the hint of disobedience, he often said, I've come to do my Father's will, not my will. That was the way he lived. That was the way he operated. And so when it came time to die, when it came time to make the exchange, you see, I I arrive at the cross with all my own ways, with all my sin, with all everything that I've done. I, I arrive at the foot of the cross like that and I can never be a right sacrifice because I'm so wrong to begin with. I'm so lost in sin, I barely find the cross. But Jesus arrived at the cross without sin, yeah. knowing that he could give his life freely as, a, as an offering and a sacrifice for every person. And I love the fairness of God. God said, I've declared that every man and every woman, in in Romans chapter 3, every man and every woman is in sin so that I might have grace and mercy on them all. There's no one here that misses out on the grace and mercy of God. There's no one here that can say, I'm a special circumstance. Yes, you are a special circumstance. God loves you. (laughs) That makes you real special. And he's reaching out to you even today. But God. But God. But God changes everything. That but God changes everything. Can you remember when you were young, having a discussion with someone and they were arguing or debating vehemently in this direction, and you say, but, 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 as you interjected and wanted to bring your side of the argument, you see that that word but indicates a strong change, indicates something that needs to be said to adjust what's been going before. Can you remember as a little child making excuses for bad behaviour? Mine was, but my sister made me do it. My sister made me do it. I always blamed her. She was four years younger than me. I only had to look sideways at her, and my father was on my towel. Don't you touch your sister. Leave her alone. She always got me into trouble. Always got me into trouble. Not that I ever deserved it myself, of course, but she always got me into trouble. And so when I got serious about things, I prayed to God. I said, God, help me. Give me patience. Give me patience with my sister. I, I don't like getting beaten up. By my well, Not beaten up, but I don't like being <laughs> smacked by my father. I, I don't like it. It's not, it doesn't feel comfortable. It's not good. Please give me patience. It was years later I found the scripture that says, tribulation works patience. Don't ever ask for patience. Because you're going to get more tribulation. Yeah. I asked for patience. What did I get? Another sister couldn't afford a brother. Got another sister. And then, of course, there's the student who's not getting their work done wrong, not getting their work sufficiently done. And when the, when the teacher's questioning him, they say, but, 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 but the inkwell was too far away, so how could I write the answer? I mean, we come up with silly reasons. We come up with silly excuses. But God always does what is right he's never wrong he's never caught short he's never caught well maybe I've got an option here could I do this one or this he doesn't have that problem he always shows up on time and does exactly what's right so in your life If you take nothing else away from this morning, and I pray you do, but if, if you take nothing else away, whatever your circumstance is, whatever your situation is right now, always remember, whatever it is, but God, but God, but God. If I'm in the moment of blessing right now, but God, He needs to be praised and thanks for the blessing that I'm enjoying. If I'm in a moment of tribulation or trial or circumstance, but God can change these things. He can change these things. And last time I looked, last time I looked, aerodynamics was still overpowering the law of gravity. Gravity's got a fair hold on me or I've got a fair hold on gravity, but I want you to know that I've been in those planes and the the law of aerodynamics takes over. This world, this system, this life we live in may have a hold on us, But faith takes you to a new level. Faith can break through. Faith can break beyond. You need to believe, but God can do a change in my life and for me. But God, that word, but God now means that God's thoughts are intervening. They are going to change the state of play. But God is on your side. He's promising a change of direction. There's a great little verse in Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says this, God speaks to the children of Israel. He says, you have gone around this mountain long enough. Now, set off in a different direction. And for some of you, you need to hear that. Some of you have been... On a mountainous journey, some of you have been around the same problem, the same difficulty, the same situation for a long time. You've been circling it, you know the road around it. you know all the colors that are in it, you know all the circle, you know all the, the, the elements of it, you know all the textures, you know all the people that are involved. And God say, "Hey, would you remember, I want to say to you, but God will say, "Turn and head off in a new direction." You don't have to circle that mountain any longer. But God can step into your circumstances and lead you to salvation. Joseph was a man who said this. Joseph from the book of Genesis. He was the pride of his father. His father enjoyed him immensely. I don't know whether it was a negative pride or whether it was just a good, genuine pride. I don't know. Scripture doesn't quite tell me enough and I can't see the glint in the eyes. I can't see the furrowing of the brow. I can't tell. But I do know that Joseph received some gifts. Joseph, however, became planned and plotted against. Joseph was ultimately thrown into a pit. He was lied about. They said he was dead. He was forgotten as dead. He was sold into slavery. He was taken advantage of when he arrived in his new land and and was being taken advantage of there by a situation in a household. He was imprisoned wrongly. Again, he was forgotten. And then he was asked to answer dreams. And finally, when victory was coming through for him, he was promoted when he answered the dreams. He was promoted to second in charge in the land. And then as his family were suffering famine, they came down to Egypt to get grain. that Joseph, uh, Joseph's interpretation had stored grain for the lean times, for the famine times. His own family, his own brothers never recognized him. And when they recognized him as he met with them, they fell on their faces before him and they pleaded for mercy. This is what he said. He said, you intended it for my harm, but God had a different idea. God had a different solution. You might be in something right now. You might be in that that crucible that's in the fire of affliction. You might be in a circumstance that's pressing you from all sides. And you might say, where do I go from here? I want to say this to you. But God would say to you, those pressure around you, the pressure is intending to harm you. But God has planned this. God will give you the strength to rise up from it. A changed person, a refined person, a person who who knows a greater strength and capacity in God, a person whose nature, a person whose capacities and abilities have been expanded and stretched by God, for God, for you to be a better person than what you are right now. I got some examples here from Scripture. As we turn them, they're going to show up on the screen. You can write them down if you wish. Um, But God, verses these are. But God. God said to Abram's wife, Sarah, he said to her, you'll bear a son. You'll bear a son. They didn't think they could. They didn't think they would. But God said, you'll bear a son. They'd been waiting, but it hadn't happened. But God said, you will bear a son. So, but God speaks to me in this scripture out of physical healing. doesn't matter what your need is, but God can overcome that affliction. But God can overcome that disability. But God can overcome whatever it is that's pressing you in from all sides. If God can make Sarah to have a baby boy at the age of 75 years, hey, what's your problem? Joseph said, when he was in Egypt, it wasn't you to his brothers who sent me here, but God. You see, God wanted to reach out to the Egyptians. He wanted to reach out to them as a nation. He wants to reach out to the nations in our world today in the same manner. God positioned one man, Imagine if Joseph had cut and run. Imagine if Joseph had escaped from the traders. Imagine if Joseph, uh, instead of being involved in Potiphar's house, uh, had one night waited till he went to sleep and took off and, and, and got out of the house and, and gone back across, the, across the, the river or across the Red Sea and, and, and got away to Israel. Uh, imagine if Joseph uh, had been in jail as he was improperly and, and wrongly imprisoned. Imagine if he had done something to himself that maimed him or or taken his own life. The plan of God for Joseph's life would have been thwarted. But Joseph could stand at the end of it and say, but God. What was meant for my harm, God has changed. God has changed. He set me free from that pressure. There are nations today God wanted to speak to the nation of Egypt. He needed a man in there who was credible. He needed a man in there who had honour. He needed a man in there who could stand the test and stand the pressure. He needed a man in there who'd been in a place of no hope and now had hope. He needed a man in there who could believe in divine intervention. He needed a man in there who would trust him no matter what the circumstances, the weather, The men, the things around about said to him he needed a man who would trust him wholly. The preparation time was for that moment. Because God was interested in doing something with Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always a type of the world. And when Jesus was born and his life was placed under threat. Where did God send Joseph and Mary with baby Jesus? He sent him down to hide him in the world. He remained hidden in that world because God was wanting to reach that world. So often in church we talk about the world and we make the world seem very bad and their elements are bad. But God loves the people who inhabit the world. Some of them aren't doing so well right now. Some of them make a mess of their lives. Can't strictly tell them that straight away. They wouldn't receive it. But God knows But God sends his today messengers. He sends you and I out into the world every week. It would have been easy, I think, if we'd gotten saved, committed our life to Jesus, and then we're gone. Evaporated from this earth and home in heaven. That would have been a pretty neat trick. Except none of us would have learnt the victory over sin that we have learnt by living here none of us would have learnt that God can change sickness through healing if we had gone none of us would have been involved in reaching out and speaking life words into some other person and seeing their lives and their circumstances change none of them none, no nations could have been saved if we were taken to heaven as soon as we were saved there wouldn't be a testimony of faith there wouldn't be an action of missionary there wouldn't be a heart for the world there'd be no hands for Jesus there'd be no feet shod with the gospel of peace there'd be no helmet of salvation there'd be no sword of the spirit in the world today if we went straight to heaven when we got saved but God has sent each one of us out into the world but God but God oh God in my circumstance you know what's happening here But God can change it. But God. Do you know what I'm dealing with, Lord? But God. But God. I'm about to die, says Abraham. But God will surely take care of you. What a great word for a grandfather to say. I've done my best. I've led you lot. you have becoming the children of Israel. It's been a big job. Look at all we've had to go through. And now in a true father's heart, or grandfather's heart, he says, I'm about to go to be with my God. But God will take care of You. Just because you become a grandparent, your job has not yet finished. For every grandparent here today, there remains the task of passing on your life faith to your grandchildren. Feed it into their life. They will receive words from you that they won't hear from their parents. Grandparents have a marvellous and wonderful role. We are high on God's agenda to deal with the next generation and the generation after that. Somehow he's given us favour with those grandkids. And it's not anything to do with the lollies you got in your pocket or the 20 cent pieces. He's given you an avenue to speak into the life of your grandchildren. They love you. They open their arms, they see you coming. Oh, poppy's here. Oh, Nanda's here. And they run to greet you and be hugged by you. About three hours later, you're happy to say, hey, go on home again. (laughs) But use the three hours to say something eternal and life-giving to those kids. Yeah. 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 Bless God. In Jehoshaphat's time, It says, uh, don't be afraid or be discouraged, God said, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Natural battles sometimes are spiritual battles. Next one, but God turned the curse into a blessing. You hear about people who think they're under curses. You hear about people who want to blame forebears and parents and grand, and, and parents before them for something that's occurring. In their life. I want to say to you categorically today that the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice yeah. breaks the curse. Yeah. It breaks the curse. And if you will apply it, if you think that something's happened in your line, if you think that there's someone back there that's done misdemeanor type things, if, you, if, you, if you're aware of that, then... Stand up strong on the inside. Let Jesus inside proclaim out through your mouth that the curses are broken because he died on the cross to break those curses. I, I, I really, Sincerely, I do not want to get to heaven and have Jesus say to me, you lived a good life, Paul, but you put up with this and you put up with that and you put up with this other thing. Don't you realise... I died on the cross so that those things would not have any impact on your life. I gave my life for you, Paul. Don't you realize that I wanted you to live in freedom? I wanted you to live able to fully use and utilize your faith. Why did you hold back? And you know the worst thing about it? Is when I get to heaven, I won't be able to do anything about it. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it kind of scares me. A God, but God will redeem my life from the power of Sheol. Sheol is simply the Old Testament word for hell. I think we all understand hell, some of us use it often enough. I think if we really understood what hell was about, we probably wouldn't use it as flippantly or as lightly as what we do. I had a friend at work who used to swear profanities and all sorts of things. I said to him one day, I said, if you knew my Jesus as as a friend, you wouldn't use his name that way. And if you don't know Jesus as a friend or a person as Lord or Savior, then you may as well say Hector Helicopter. Why, why does the world use the name of Jesus as such a swear word? Because underneath they know that there is power and life in that holy and wonderful name, Jesus. They know that that name stands for something far greater than what they're aware of. They know that if they, they just know that there's something powerful about that name. And so they use the name Jesus. The picture of hell is actually a place of a rubbish dump. Gehenna was the rubbish dump just outside Jerusalem. And Jesus used it in his his parables. He said, see that place there? He said, the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now, there's not many of us these days and in this age that experience the problem with tapeworms. Maybe you as a child had a, a sickness called a ringworm where there's some parasite living inside your physical frame that's feeding on you and living off you and, it's, and it's, just, it's just ugly. We've got some great ointments and thank God for doctors today that can treat those sorts of things and release you from the difficulty of ringworms. But God said, Jesus speaking, that hell... It's like being in a place where the fire never goes out and the worms do never stop eating. I don't know how to make it more graphic for you than that to be imprisoned in a place you cannot escape from where your soul is being eaten at day by day by day and a place where a fire is burning that singes you and affects you day by day. It's not a pretty place. It's not a word that we should use lightly. It's not a word or a place that we should talk about, describe or even think about in some sort of lighthearted manner. It's a mean, nasty place according to the definition Jesus gives it. But God has changed it. We can break away from it. We can be free of it. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you've been in divinity, God can set you free. But God was with him. Again, referring to Joseph. But God, speaking of Jesus, raised him from the dead. Oh, praise God. We're going to go through a situation very soon where it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday. It's Friday when there's a death on a cross, but Sunday's coming. Jesus cannot be held in the grave. Life cannot be tied down in death. He must break forth. But God raised him from the dead. Speaking of the church, but God gave growth to the church. Speaking of those who are on missionary journeys or making, making efforts for God's uh, and needing his provision, but God who comforts the humble comforted us, Paul said on one of his mission trips. But God who is abundant in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, Made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses and sins. I believe none of us put our hand up and chose Christ before he actually made himself known to us. My Bible simply says, I was dead in trespass and sin. Something that's dead can't reach out. Something that is dead is not alive. Something which is dead is not responsive. And so someone came to me and spoke a word of hope and faith and truth. And that that word, that word, when I began to hear it and began to trust it and began to receive it and believe it, that word became a spark of faith within me. And from that spark of faith, I, I reached out and said, Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you, Jesus. And in an instant, he changed my life. He changed my heart. He took away that situation that was dead. The Bible says it quite clearly in a different way. It says that I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. I'm a new creation. But God, God is not content to leave you where you are. God is not content to leave you alone. God is not content to leave you rusting out, melting down, burning out on the refuse, ready to go just into the ground. He's not content to do that with you because you are part of His creation. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He will step into your circumstances, but God will change the way you are living from what you're doing. But God, but God, there's nothing else to rest on but God. But God is our only answer. But God, it's not our, he's not, it's not our good works or our endeavours. It's not whether we are smiling all the time or a cheery chappy or we just live a good life. It's but God. But God. When God enters into your field of experience, when God enters into your life, eternal changes come about. But God is the one who is only able to do those things. In difficulty and in blessing, in helping of others, in praying for a world situation, in praying for missionaries, in praying for circumstances around your world, whatever it is, but God is able to make the difference. We need to be realists and say, this is what's happening, but God can make the difference. But God... Would you bow your heads just for a moment? I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your arm is not restrained, but you've reached out with your hand to take hold of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your love has not been hurled back, but you have evidenced your love in our world through the giving of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that when we are drawn into relationship with you and we respond with Jesus, be my Saviour and my Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you adopt us you put your arms around about us and you cuddle us, that you pull us to yourself and you sit us up on your knee and Father God, you would whisper into our ears that we are your favourite one, that we are the one that that he would give anything for in order to have a moment and that time with us on your knee. Heavenly Father, thank you for making your love known to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for intervening in our circumstances. We would have been nowhere but God. We would have been in severe and eternal difficulty but God. But God. But God who is rich in mercy proves his own love toward us that while Christ that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're going to receive together today communion and celebrate Christ's victory on our behalf. Can those ushers and stewards come and prepare themselves and begin to offer to us the emblems? As we come to this communion time, That little Peter biscuit and that little juice. I used to complain as a child at church. I said, it's so bad, Mum and Dad. I'm really hungry at the end of church. They said, well, we are too. I said, no, 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 no. You had food during church. You had You had grape juice to drink. Thank you. You had grape juice to drink and you had a biscuit to eat. That was a small child's reasoning. But you see, these are only symbols. These are only elements. When I eat this bread, this bread passes into me. And the goodness that's in this bread passes into my being. When I drink this cup, this liquid, the goodness of this liquid passes through my organs and passes into me and sustains me and gives me strength. And Jesus would say to you today, I am here for you. Receive me today. Take of me. I gave my whole life so that your broken life might be made whole. I gave my sinlessness so that your sinfulness could be eradicated and you could know what it is to live without guilt and without shame, without pressure. So that hopelessness could be broken from your life and you could have a heart of hope. I did that for you. We take these emblems and we'll do so in a moment just a very natural process will take place. But it's not this natural process we're focused on here this morning. We are focused on this spiritual process that as we receive of Jesus, his life, his strength, his love, his wholeness becomes part of who we are. And our lives Are changed. Our lives are moulded into a different shape because He gave it all for us. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.